So the disciples, uh, is after Jesus' ascension, they're, they're teaching in the name of Christ. They're teaching, um, you know, early Christianity, which is, is basically Catholicism. There's no other Christians. Um, and they're being arrested and taken into custody by the Jews because the Jews still see them as connected to their Jewish tradition. And they're concerned that basically what they're doing is, is kind of polluting the the Jewish faith with the, these new teachings. So there's still a time at which um, the disciples and the, the new church is still somewhat integrated with Judaism. After a, a bit of time, it will, it will then break away and fracture away. But the, they're told to stop teaching in the name of Jesus. And they respond, we must obey God rather than men. We must obey God rather than than men. This is one of the most fundamental problems for every human person throughout human history. It goes back to the fall itself, the sin of Adam and Eve, obeying themselves rather than God. Now, one of the things that's interesting if you look at the, the history of thought is that in, uh, at, at the advent of modernity and through modernity, so you know the 1700s through the 20th century, you you have uh, you have mankind having all kinds of great confidence in the new sciences, uh, the hard sciences, the soft sciences. So you know uh, everything from the experimental sciences, as it were, the hard sciences to the soft sciences, as they're called, uh, psychology, sociology, etc. And what happens, and we, we've all become very familiar with people saying things, well, I believe in science, I don't believe in God. You know, technically speaking, science doesn't have to be believed in because it uses the empirical method to demonstrate facts, so you don't have to believe in something that you can see, but that's beside the point. Um, that, that sort of mentality, I mean, obviously it's connected with, with uh, atheism to some degree, but... But that sort of mentality comes to the fore because of largely the confidence that people had in science, but not just science, also institutions, et cetera, human institutions, right? So uh, in the uh, late 19th century into the 20th century, you have all kinds of confidence in uh, things like economics even, you know, man's ability to determine um, a better economic system, everything from Adam Smith, and then of course you have Karl Marx in, in response to, to, uh, to capitalism, et cetera, right? But anyway, the point is, there's all this confidence in stuff that men do, human beings do. And this sort of takes over in even common parlance between people to the exclusion of believing in God. Well, once you hit the latter half of the 20th century, all kinds of confidence in those authorities begin to degrade. Like, it, it would be nothing now to say, well, I, I'm not sure that I trust science. You know, which scientist should I trust? I mean, just, just look at the mess that we had with COVID. Who are we supposed to trust? Which one? And then you, you think, well, I'm trusting this one, and then you find out there's all kinds of other information you didn't know, and you think, well, gosh, I don't know if I can trust that guy or that guy or that woman or that woman. I'm not sure who to trust. And then confidence in institutions also, like, you know, <laughs> it just seems ludicrous to say you should trust your political leaders. 
but you should all trust your political leaders. I can't even say it. There's no way I could possibly mean it, let alone say it. But it doesn't stop there. I mean, it's difficult to even trust church leaders, right? Because we've seen throughout, throughout particularly the latter half of the, of the 20th century into the early 21st century, anytime that we see corruption or we see you know, uh, people behaving in ways that degrade our trust, it's, it's hard to trust. So what happens then, and what has happened, as we've made the turn from modernity to post-modernity, is our trust in institutions and even in science has really eroded, and what we're left with is ourselves. Well, who can I trust? Well, I can only trust myself, right? And so what you have is this turn to radical subjectivism, that I determine reality for myself. I determine what's true. I determine what I want to believe. I, I determine, I'm not saying I do that, but that's, what, that's what's happening in the culture. And this is why you can have, for instance, and, and I, of course, meet them all the time, Catholics who have no problem uh, holding different beliefs that are incompatible with each other. You know, uh, Catholics who will, who, who will say to me, well, I don't need to go to church to be Catholic, you know. Well, then what in the world does it mean to be Catholic? Well, it means whatever I want it to mean. Yeah, so that's the point. We've gotten to this, this place in our culture where because institution and authority, et cetera, has degraded so much, we're left with ourselves. But this is fraught with danger as well. I mean, there's other dangers with, within, the, within modernity and trusting human reason alone. But when we look at what's happening now within post-modernity, people's desire to just trust themselves or to establish for themselves what is true. We can't even agree, and I do not mean this in any kind of mean-spirited way, but we currently cannot even agree what it means to be male or female. That's just true. That's just a true thing that's going on in our culture. And if we were to analyze that and say, well, what does that say about our culture? It's an important thing to look at. Now, I'm not saying all of us are in that space, but as a culture, right, there's this sort of skepticism, even what it means to be a human person and uncertainty. That's, my point there is not to, is, is not to dwell on that point, but to just say that that's, where our sense of truth, how much our sense of truth has eroded, okay? Um, we can't even agree on the nature of the human person. Now, when you're in that kind of milieu, I don't know French, but that's a French word. When you're in that kind of milieu, what do you do? What do you do? You can go on trusting yourself as the sole authority, but gosh, that's kind of scary. Or we can revert back to saying, you know what? Maybe I should trust God rather than human beings. Maybe I should trust God even over myself. Maybe God's word has a veracity and a power that we unfortunately have somewhat jettisoned in the name of other things. But maybe there's a, a truth, a power there that if I were to incorporate that into my life to a greater degree, I might be led to a fuller realization of the truth. I mean, that is the idea of divine revelation, that God has communicated to us what is true, that God communicates truth. And this becomes a very difficult prospect 
in this subjectivism that we live in that there could be truth, right? Because if, if you're determining truth and you're determining truth and you're determining truth and they all compete, we're in the situation where, well, you know, you just believe what you want to believe and I'll believe what I want to believe. And you'll be like, okay, well, that's fine at a dinner party when you want to get along. But if you're going to make an existential statement about reality, what do I truly believe? You have to pick a side. Is God real or is he not? Does he convey truth through his scriptures or does he not? Did Jesus die on the cross? Was he God such that his death had an eternal value or did he not die on the cross and did it therefore not have salvific power? We have to understand, of course, we're living in a pluralistic society and we want to get along with people, of course. But as Christians, as Catholic Christians, there are certain things we believe to be true independent of anybody else's opinion. It's just true. It's true that Jesus becomes present in the Eucharist. It's true that Jesus died on the cross and he is God and his death has saved us. And, and we can go through the Ten Commandments. We can go through all kinds of things. But if there, you can see there's a big distinction between living my life according, my, according to my designs, my own designs, and living life according to God's laws. And we are a people who follows God's laws. That's what it means, part of what it means to be Christian, is we believe that he has handed on to us those things which are true, both about reality as well as about human nature and about morality as well. And the better that we can live our lives according to those truths, obviously we believe that it will bring greater human fulfillment. The other thing is it's, it's a risk to live our lives according to what we have individually designed. It's a risk. What is the risk? Salvation is the risk. Do you, should we presume that we're just going to heaven no matter what? Maybe, but that's not what God says. God doesn't say everyone's going to heaven no matter what. And I'm not saying you're not. Maybe you over here, but the rest of you are fine. I'm always suspect about this side of the church, but... Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it's just sort of the presumptions we make. Well, God loves us. We're all going to get into heaven and, you know, et cetera. Well, those people who want to get into heaven will get in. But those people who live their lives according to their own designs, as though God doesn't exist, might have difficulty getting in because it's hard to get in to, if you will, a place of eternity where there is one God, where there is one God who determines or who conveys what is true and what is false. And we either accept that divinity and that authority, or we have to be somewhere where that authority need not be accepted. And that place would be hell. That's why hell exists, for people who don't want God. So the tension for us then in, in the way that we're living in the culture today is, there's so much that pulls us into that sort of subjectivism. Just 
Decide for yourself. Just go with the flow. Go with the, the, the gestalt of the age. Go with whatever people are telling you is true. Why? Why is that true? Well, I took a class at, at university. Good job. You took one class. Maybe your professor's an idiot. I've met plenty. Maybe they hold to things which are unsubstantiated to, to certain positions. They do. They do. I actually was perusing the ASU catalog um, the other day, and I, I couldn't believe the classes that were being taught. Just a complete waste of time. But that's my opinion. I'm not saying that's universally true, but it is definitely my opinion, and it's probably universally true. But nonetheless, <laughs> that sounds horrible. I don't mean that. Um, but, you know, we do accept things within the culture as though they're just true and we don't push back. And we're afraid to because the culture can be vicious. The culture can cancel us. We might lose our jobs. You know, we might be ostracized at school um, or at work. It's a risk. And, and, and there's certainly an art to maintaining our integrity as Christians and holding to the truths that we hold to within a pluralistic society and a society that wants to punish people for not holding to the accepted truths of the culture. But brothers and sisters, if we don't push back, even charitably just push back, who will? If we are not willing to stand for the truth that comes from God, who will? The culture is not going to stop its slide into degradation. It's not going to stop. But within our communities and with our, within our families, we have the ability to still enunciate the truth. We still have the ability to speak about the goodness, the love, and the truth that God gives us. And we need to not be afraid to do that, to try to do it well in our communities but we need to not be afraid to obey God rather than men. Blessedness does not come from merely keeping the peace at all costs. Blessedness comes from willing to be, be persecuted for standing for what God stands for and the truth that he has given us. Let us be steadfast. Let us be stout-hearted. Let us not be afraid to be people of God. Please stand.